0: Or tell that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives, and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Rixo is one of the most sought-after fashion brands worldwide and fills a gap in the contemporary market with the unique, easy-to-wear designs and flattering shapes that fit effortlessly into women's lifestyles. The brand's DNA hinges around the timelessness of their pieces and their love of vintage, bold and colourful prints. Stocked by internationally renowned boutiques, iconic department stores and global online retailers, as well as their only e-commerce site and retail store, Rixo has gained recognition as a brand to watch with fans such as Kylie Minogue, Taylor Swift and Selena Gomez. Henrietta and Orla met at the London College of Fashion and discovered their mutual love of vintage and the pair have been best friends ever since. They've even lived together. In September 2015, the Rixo journey began straight from their London living room. As female founders, both are equally passionate about running a business and live, breathe, eat and sleep Rixo. With no outside funding or investment, the girls have together made every decision and are still 100% in control of the brand. During the past five years, they have been awarded with the Premium Brand of the Year at the Drapers Awards, Sunday Times Fast Track 2021s to Watch and Forbes 30 Under 30. Their vision is to create one-off pieces for the modern woman to wear with confidence and to feel the best version of herself. And that couldn't be more of a reality. They are such an inspiration, and I'm so excited to have them on Sliding Doors. So, hi Henrietta, hi Ola, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> that was like the best introduction that we've ever had. <laughs> I was <laughs> actually going to say, do you ever feel like, oh my god, I can't actually believe that's us and that you're talking
2: about us? <laughs> you're really picking us up, and <laughs> um, yeah, now it it, it's like sometimes you do look back, don't you, Henry, and you pinch yourself and think, oh, god, we've done all that, and, and
1: so, like it's all we've really ever known. think so. I think for Ola and I just. Rick so just comes naturally it is kind of just now what we've done for the last five six years um so but no it is it's, it's it is amazing and you do need sometimes moments like this I think it is in moments where during a podcast or when you have an interview where Ola and I actually have time to actually sit back and reflect because otherwise you just go 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 the whole time so no it is it is lovely
0: yeah and it becomes kind of second nature I guess because it is it's just what you do every day but actually when you sit back and think oh my gosh we've actually achieved all of that and there's probably a lot more to come on your journey as well. Um, I wanted to start with, so when you think about your career and Rixo so far, do you think the brand's been, you talk a lot about um, there being a gap in the market and kind of the timing of the brand and when you launched it. Do you think Rixo's been successful because of timing and kind of that side of stuff? Or do you think it's, you know, about having the authenticity that you guys have and really understanding what women want? Uh,
2: Do you know what? I actually think it's a bit of both because obviously there's certain things in the time where this is perfect now but even at the minute in the pandemic there's things that we're thinking oh there's opportunity so I think it's like as much as yes it can be harder at certain times but if you've got a bit of a drive I think you can actually make opportunity out of bad situations as well Mm -hmm. so um I think it's actually would you agree hen yeah and I'd say as well like at the start
1: like obviously timing was great for us because there weren't as many Instagram brands when we first launched. Um, so we were pretty much in London, probably one of the first big Instagram brands. But I think it's a mixture of everything. Like You can't just pinpoint one thing and say, yeah, it's the timing, why Rixos has been successful, or the product, or the aesthetic. I think it is just having a combination of everything together that makes then something work. I think if one point was falling, whether it would be like the price point or the quality um, or the branding or the marketing or how it was styled, I think if one thing wasn't quite right, I think it takes everything to be at a level um, in order for something to succeed so I think we always try and do that where like you can have an amazing product or you can have an amazing photo shoot or you can have an amazing price point but if one thing is kind of dipping a little bit then it's not it doesn't necessarily work yeah. so I think it's
2: we call it the um we call it the octopus arms yeah <laughs> like yeah. gotta have the octopus arms gotta have everything you can't just have like you know one good thing it's like everything's gotta be amazing so
0: Yeah, it's so true. And do do you guys believe in fate? Do you believe that like everything happens for a reason? I mean, we'll go more into your career journeys. And I personally think a lot of it is just down to your talent and dedication and the connection that you both have. But do you believe like personally in fate and everything happens for a reason? I yeah I think
1: we do I do, I do believe in fate like we are Ola and I love like going to a um a fortune teller or anything like that oh. a day. but there is an element of fate like so I do believe that we met at university and we kind of both have the same style and they're both the same like and I believe that in fate when we got put together on like different projects and stuff but I think it's Ola's twin sister that always says she says god it's so annoying when people say aren't Henrietta and Ola are lucky because she was like it's not luck like not at all hard work and people don't understand the hard work that goes into it so I think I wouldn't say it's luck but I do believe a little bit of fate and then obviously you need to put in the dedication
2: and the um left. what's that um book Henry? you told me to read and then I did um it's like you kind of put things out into the universe and it does come around in a certain way it's it's not as far-fetched as that but I do think if you have a certain the mentality secret. where you're curious and the secret yeah, yeah. If you have a certain mentality where you're curious and like asking questions and like we me and Hannah are both very like that in terms of our personalities like when we first started off there were so much situations where that applied and like good things came out of it and um, we didn't really look for problems so I think a lot of it is that as well like that maybe isn't necessarily always fate but it's like it's your attitude to life mm-hmm. and it does come back around so I do think um,
0: that's something that plays a big part in it as well. We can all be presented with opportunities that may be about fate but actually it's what you do with them and you're so right you can't say what well, you're successful because of luck like you know it's a lot of it and mainly is down to hard work and dedication um we actually did the same degree at university so I also I did. did fashion um management so yeah. I um I actually always really wanted to go to Leeds for some reason it was always a dream of mine and the year that I applied for university uh, they cancelled the course because they didn't have enough people and then My second option was London College of Fashion, but they wouldn't let me defer a year and I wanted to take a gap year. So I actually ended up going to Birmingham as my last choice, um, but could not have imagined going anywhere else. I had the best experience, met the best people, got a first in my degree. Um, I wanted to ask both of you, did you always want to do fashion and did you always kind of want to go down the university path that you took?
1: Um, I think for me it was very yeah like I knew early on that that's kind of what I wanted to do I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when it came to fashion but um, it was my best friend's older sister she went to London and went to London College of Fashion and did the same course that all three of us did Um, and she loved it and it was very much a case of I thought this is what she's doing I think and it was hard to find a course in fashion because people thought okay foundation then you've actually got to then do fashion design and that's not something that I never thought that I'd actually want to be like creating the garments myself and I loved business studies at school uh, at A-levels so for me it kind of definitely was like I always knew I wanted to go to a fashion university but I struggled as well to find a course that I wanted to do because yeah
0: there weren't hardly any around were there
1: uh, in Manchester and London at the time and Manchester I'm from so I didn't want to stay in Manchester and then I um knew about the course at London College of Fashion so that was kind of like my only course other than that it would have been something completely different um so thank god yeah Touchwood. wood I kind of got mm. into um LCF and then journey started from then that's why I met Ola but Ola you had a different
2: route didn't you? So I actually so when I started off I was I wanted to do um I, I always loved fashion and I wanted to do something in fashion but where I grew up from where I grew up in home was like literally in the middle of nowhere in Ireland there was like nobody to do. um <laughs> And I was gonna go and do architecture. Um, I've got a twin sister and she she was doing architecture as well. So we I thought that's like I'll do architecture. But I had um one of our, our teachers at school um went off sick and a placement kind of stepped in for him for like a year, like a placement teacher. And it was him that like told me about Central St. Wilson Martin's and um LCF and he was like, I think you should really apply like um to do like a foundation year. Um and at the time I had this like boyfriend at, home, and at the time I was thinking oh I can't, can't go to London I don't know anyone I'd be by myself and he was like definitely apply so I was like well I'm gonna just apply anyway because he told me to apply and then I got in so I was like then I had this like present with this like opportunity to do like a foundation year and I was like well I can't t- I feel like I can't turn it down but I hadn't prepared myself for it yeah um so when I went over um I found the foundation year like I find that year really hard to kind of fit into London because it was very, it was a very arty course, a very like creative. And I actually loved the commercial and the, the business side of it as well, but like Henrietta. Um, so I found it was like very on the creative side and like actually like making and just creative and not the business side. Um, so I find that hard. I think it was just the adjustment of like coming from where I was at home yeah, to London and in all by myself. Um, So I took a year out and was so close to going back and doing architecture um I had deferred my place in case I didn't like the foundation year so when I was in London for that year I was like well it's okay I've got my architecture to fall back on I've deferred deferred the course I can start in that and it was my twin sister that was said like look Jim if I were, or if I was would like look at all your course options and again a bit like yourselves I didn't really find that many courses I wanted to do a degree and not another like diploma because I had obviously done my foundation year um the fashion management was was the only really option I just applied and then I got in I think it was just the perfect balance so it was kind of like as you say fate like that I had a twin sister that done the architecture and said no don't mm. I would definitely try and like prevail with fashion and then just I think then meeting Henrietta in that, on that that course. And that leads on really nicely
0: to your first sliding doors moment so one thing that really excited me about chatting to both of you today is that actually without each other there'd be no Rickso. Um and you always speak a lot about you know, the brand is a complete combination of the two of you, you know, you both bring everything to the table. Um, So your first moment is meeting each other at university. So we've spoken a bit about kind of um how you both got to where you did and as you say there's definitely that element of fate because all of you started off by doing art and design and switch courses and my mind's obviously just like what if you never switch course like you guys would never have met before Oh, um, that. do you remember kind of when the moment when the stars aligned and you first did meet at university
1: i always remember our first lecture and i was so nervous um we were in our lecture and then all came in late to the lecture the first lecture and she had a gorgeous vintage handbag and I it seems so sad and pathetic now but when she came in everyone else in the like in the course I was like oh god no one looks a bit like me or no one's like me and then all came in with the vintage handbag and I was thinking oh that girl's got like She's really- the one I was like I was like oh i want to be friends with her and then she came and sat down like right on on our little um on our kind of row and stuff she came over and sat down and then I think it was from then then we had a trip in um Paris in the first year of uni and we Oh, just, they're
0: always the best aren't they those first trips to Paris
2: well ours was just like <laughs> oh, got everyone everyone ended up on a curfew because we stayed out too late or something and yeah out too late at
0: the club or something and
1: everyone else in the course got a curfew so everyone then in the course pretty much I think hated all of that <laughs> <laughs> god why is everyone so because if it was Leeds or Manchester or anywhere else like the curfew wasn't even bad I think we got in at like one o'clock in the morning but any other uni it would have been like all hours so we yeah. were like what is wrong with everyone <laughs> all of us from Northern Ireland and everyone was just so like fashion and serious and we're in Paris and we've got to like you know we're like these fashion students and we were like just having just a fun day. yeah um so we <laughs> just got on and clicked really well during that um during that trip. And then we obviously then worked on a um, project together really well. And we were just a kind of, I'd go over to Aula's house where she was living and we were work. I don't know why, because it didn't even count to anything, but we were like working really hard on this project. And we were up to like three in the morning, four in the morning to make sure it was perfect. Um, so we just kind of clicked and got on really well from there. So probably, yeah, probably was fate really.
0: Yeah. I remember those moments. So well when you'd literally be up, like cutting things out of magazines to like three in the morning, doing vision <laughs> boards and you make such a a good point there like I think that we all get put into situations whether it's at work or your first job where you're like who do I want to be friends with or who seems like they're on my wavelength and I think it's just really nice that you guys found each other and as I said like the stars did align and that I mean do you ever think like what happened what would have happened if you'd not have met at university? Yeah god no I don't just because Rick so
1: just
2: seems it's just a huge part of your life. And I think as well with fashion, like there's so many like different avenues that you could go down. Like I remember when I first like applied for the fashion management I was saying, oh, maybe it's like buy-in. Like I really want to be creative, but I also want the business side of it. And I remember actually drawing out these logos being like, oh, I'd love to have a fashion brand someday. But I thought I have not got a clue how to do that. Like I remember like I went, um, a friend of mine moved to London um, at the same time as me. Um, and I remember i saying I remember us saying, that like, oh, how good would it be not to have a fashion brand and I remember like scribbling these little logos down <laughs> and then, now it just seems so strange that it's actually happened not strange but it just like it is a bit of a kind of pinch yourself because I think it's really hard I think with jobs like that or when you create your own business you, to go oh well this is exactly how it's going to look and this is exactly mm-hmm. what you're going to do it's very much like you have to look back and go you know just kind of like kind of I always say like hold fast and stay true it's you kind of like don't see how everything's going to turn out and you have to be agile and keep changing. But I think you do look back and you're kind of like proud of what's what you've done. A hundred percent. Definitely and don't know it all from day one.
0: Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, I think what's lovely and so great about what you guys have done is you've you've built your brand on the connection that you two had. And as you said, you didn't kind of meet and be like, let's create a brand. Like you became friends, you went through a uni experience together.
2: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com.
0: And leading on to your second sliding doors moment, so actually setting up Rixo, so I know that after university, Orla, you started working at ASOS and Henrietta, you travelled. So what kind of happened when you left uni? How did you both kind of, I don't know, did had you started thinking about creating a brand or did you both just be like, no, actually, I want to travel the world. I want to kind of get into the industry.
2: We had thought about it. We did. Yeah, think. We we, um, there was a tutor
1: that kind of, when we did a, we did a few projects together and there was one tutor that said to us, I think he probably put the little, like, kind of pin mark in our heads. He was like, you two should definitely work together when you leave uni or you should do something together because you just work so well together. Mm-hmm. And he was really impressed with the project. So he kind of said that. So that was with when we were at uni and we always had we were like talking about it and being like, we'll do it, we'll do it. Um and then we still we lived together during uni. So during our final graduation, we had our graduation holiday together. And then after that, then I went traveling and then Orla um went and worked at ASOS for a bit. But whilst we were traveling, then when I came back, um I remember we had a phone call and I was, um, and Ola was like, so are we still definitely doing it? And I was like, 100% Ola, we're definitely doing like I think Ola thought I'd caught it. had a
2: boyfriend from LA and, I, and like, <laughs> no, I was no, like. No, she's moving. I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, please do you not, know like run off to LA and this is not going to happen. But I had, thank God it didn't happen. But like in my, back of my head, I was like, oh, maybe this could happen. And But anyway, we called it Rachel London. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> like, it stay London. in London. <laughs> and Ola, did you like, what, I mean obviously you started at ASOS when do you remember the moment you were like I'm actually gonna quit now I'm gonna hand my notice in
2: it was just after Christmas and I was actually I kept wanting to hand in my notice and then like you know whenever like you're in a buying team and there's like there's a sign off and I'm like oh no I've just got to finish that and like make sure that That gets done I don't want to like cancel that and stuff so all these things kept coming up that like was like oh well I've just got to get that finished and then the sign off got pushed back and then I was like we were trying to basically work at weekends and work in the evenings and like I was just so exhausted it just got to the point where like it was hard to like start booking in meetings with suppliers and like setting things up because you're working i was like it was getting too difficult it was that it was the end of january i think and i was like oh, i just it's it was just the right time um i used to pick you up so my
1: dad has um like a, a used car garage so i had a car in london that we used and we were going to use it for like if we had stock and to drive around to different boutiques so i had a car in london and i'd pick all her up from asos when she'd finish work pretty much like uh, quite a lot of the evenings and then on like a Friday and then as soon as we picked her up, we'd drive home, have like a little meeting in the car on the way home and then we'd like start working. I oh, love after- that. Um, but I remember the last night, Ola, when you'd finished... I'm picking you up from ASOS, like the um, the car park underneath. And then... You're I like, think, oh my
0: God, this is real.
1: Actually, this is how sad it is. We went to Whole Foods. Um, oh, amazing. We were in Whole Foods and all of us just crying right out because she was just so exhausted from ASOS. And like, I think it was just that emotional thing
2: where you probably just... It did feel like another... Um... I felt like another you know, like, chopped. I don't. I can't explain it. Like, do you remember? Well, I couldn't even hardly eat that night because I was just, like, I felt like I had like a lump in my throat. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I was either like absolutely crapping myself, or oh, it was just about to happen. Yeah, or... and it's
0: a big emotional decision to leave a job, and not only yeah. were you leaving to do something that you know is a scary thing to do, but yeah. th- I'm sure it was really hard to be like you know, because so many people, I'm guessing, were probably like are you ridiculous why are you leaving asos to start your own brand and that did that play a big I remember
2: part? you know when people just like oh good luck and you're like okay probably thought well you've just come out of university and you're like literally at the bottom of the of the, the chain here know, <laughs> so you think you're going to like sell a business I mean it didn't bother me too much but it is it is funny whenever like you can look back and think that like and maybe it's because people feel like that even about themselves and they do something to think, well, like, oh, how can you do that? Like, we had some friends that were even like, oh, how are you going to do it? Like, almost question it. But maybe it's not necessarily them being, like, bitter or, like, rude. Maybe it's just because they just genuinely don't see, have that vision.
0: The industry's hard. Like, it's not an easy industry to get into. I used to work at the British Fashion Council and, you know, we nurture so many um, new designers and it's not that people don't have talent it's just a very you know hard market um Mm -hmm. and I mean I've had loads of conversations with my friends over the years where we've been in a cafe and been like should we start up a business and you think of an idea you get excited and literally obviously it leads to nowhere um when was the moment or the kind of the turning point where you actually were like shit we're gonna actually do this like do you remember when you both sat and looked at each other and were like let's go I think it was
2: when we came back from traveling
1: yeah because I I'd come back to London and I wasn't going to look for a job or get a job or do anything. It was just going to be like, right, we're ready we're ready to start. Like, let's do this now. And obviously then it was just kind of like we were working on things um, in the evenings and weekends and kind of just fine. Like, and we started doing like a business plan, didn't we, Ola? Um, like a mini little business plan. It wasn't anything serious at all. But we genuinely knew nothing. We didn't even know how to register the business. If we should register the business, should it be a limited business? Should it not? How to... <laughs>
2: one point, we were like, should we just sell bodycon dresses? Like, that's what's <laughs> selling right now. <laughs> like, that is not us. And then we were like, maybe we should do, like, netwear. And then we were like, honestly, because we were like, just trying to, like, wreck our brand. It's like, it's really hard to know, like, like the print thing didn't really happen by chance as well. So you don't really know what angle your brand should have. Yeah. Um, we always but- wanted
1: it to be vintage, because um, we both love vintage. And we were like... Why can't, like, we find gorgeous vintage silk dresses and we that's what we loved. And, like, our friends mm-hmm. couldn't find them or didn't know how to style them. So we always kind of knew we wanted to be that. But at the start, I mean, sometimes we looked at each other in the evenings and, like all I said, we were like, well, should we just do this or should we just... We hadn't got gotten- it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and did, was there anyone along the way that kind of really helped you and encouraged you? Like, you say, like, you just didn't know what brands to make. Was there, was there also kind of an inspiration that you got from anyone else of actually do what you guys love and these as you said like vintage inspired garments there were so
2: many people wasn't there Henry? we met along the way that were so helpful like we remember the first I think it was the first um few months we like contacted loads of suppliers on like LinkedIn and stuff and we met this guy David Keane and he was so lovely he was like an older man he'd retired he'd like I think he was like Whistles the, the woman who set up Whistles I think he was like one of her first ever suppliers like back in the day and um he was, like, helping us with, like, getting samples made. And then there was, there was like, Jenny Holloway as well, to remember, from Fashion is it fashion Capital. Oh, yeah. She was really helpful too. And we just, like, we had, like, I wouldn't say no shame, but we were just, like, ask anyone for help. <laughs> we just need help. Yeah. So we just – we didn't know what we were asking, but people were very helpful. And as long as you were, like, you knew what advice to take and then what you wanted to do yourself. So, like, everyone can give you different advice. And you've got to really just kind of, like – the guy, um, Dave King, he was older and he was like, you've got to get it on the weather woman. He was just so obsessed with getting it on the, on the <laughs> weather woman, you know, just such an old school way of like, like who, who's going to sell it. It was kind of like the Holly Willoughby off like back in the day. Yeah. So like, we were just like, it was funny that like things like that, but we just kind of didn't really, like I said, we didn't turn down opportunities for like to speak to someone, no matter who they were. And I feel like we did learn things from people that we probably wouldn't have expected if we hadn't reached out and just kind of like took in that leap. Um, but in terms of like specific people, like we've had a really good kind of like mentor this last kind of few years, um, actually through my sister, um, Gemma, she's now obviously does work and um, she's an architect, but she does a lot of interior design and she'd done this client's house and he's retired and was helping us kind of basically how to actually do your VAT returns and set up a finance function because mm-hmm. we had, were kind awful. We had like, it was like, so who actually does your VAT returns and who does this? They're role? like, what is VAT? Like, Oh my God, we were so behind. Um, brown envelopes come to the house. And we were yeah. saying, so,
1: we never opened them. And he came round to the house, which is our university house, which is where we kind of worked for the first two years. And he came round to the house to see, like, he was like, how are you functioning day to day or what? So we invited him round to the house and we got in lunch and like preparing everything. And then he saw it. And I think he saw all the brown envelopes and he was like, have you opened those? And we looked <laughs> opened one in front of him. And he was like, this is like a fine, girls. He was like, you need to open these letters. So it was all that that was a bit of a disaster at the start, but he's been a massive like we thank our lucky stars that we've had him to kind of guide mm-hmm. us, um just to guide us through the process when it comes to all like the kind yeah. of legalities behind like having a um a limited business and what you need to do and how to file um all your accounts and everything. So he's been brilliant.
2: But we've we have um we've really just tried to take advice from you know, from whoever we can. And there was one person that kind of like um wanted to kind of almost like buy into the brand very early on. Um and it was a good lesson to learn very early on in the business to kind of keep it independently owned and kind of not go down that route. Um and I think I think we are quite um certain and we've got a very strong vision for the brand anyway. Um so that definitely helps. But there's things like I said with finance or wholesaling or like logistics or shipping, like all those kind of like business sides, like you just gotta reach out and and be a sponge and absorb as much as you can.
0: Totally. And it's, it's really interesting because when you really think about it and you join all the dots together, it's, it's a combination of so many people either believing in you, giving you advice that kind of gave those little nuggets of information and moments that kind of led you to where you are. And um, so how Like how did you actually start, Rick? So so you lived together. Um, I've kind of heard things that you did, like buying appointments from, you know, your living room and that type of stuff. So did you did you genuinely just go out there and be like, we're gonna do this ourselves, learn ourselves, and as you say, like throw yourselves in there?
2: That first year, Henry, like how much I wouldn't say stupid stuff, but like We were like, oh, we've got to get buttons from the store, like, and then we'd like drive to the shop to get buttons and then get a zip and all the rest. And, and now we're just like, so like that kind of learned is that we didn't want to have, um, we wanted like our production to be all together. Like there was things like that we learned, like how we wanted our supply chain set up, and we literally just, like one thing we just done was like we ha- we just had loads of meetings.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So like if we didn't know something, we were like, right, okay, well let's have a meeting. Let's try and see if we can find something out about it. Like that was genuinely like our attitude wasn't it henry like a lot of yeah. the time at the start and i think because we didn't know the right
1: we didn't know how to set up a brand we'd never you don't get taught that at university and there's a lot of things that you don't get taught on the course like if you want to set up a brand what do you do mm-hmm. what do you do do you market the product do you sell the product um how do you sell the product so i think as soon as we had it in our heads that we okay we've got our collection now so we did offer sampling all in like a couple of different factories within london um, and then we had all our samples, and then as soon as we had the samples ready to go, we shot a lookbook, and we didn't know how to shoot a lookbook, and everyone was like, oh, you need a studio, which can cost like a couple of grand, a photographer, and we had no we had no money, so we managed to find this squatter's building, I don't know where the hell it was, somewhere in London, but love it
0: had
1: just marble staircase, and we saw, and we actually, the story is we met this guy, so we used to work from like Costa Coffee shops and stuff, and this guy was sat next to us with his laptop, and he he was getting really frustrated at his laptop and kept on smacking it. And I was like, yeah. oh, me and Oliver were like, is he okay? Like, is he? <laughs> and then he was like, oh, I'm, I'm an artist and I'm trying to, and he was a little bit um, slow and he was like, oh, I'm an artist and I'm trying to get my, my, you know, my artwork on on screen and everything. And then we were like, oh, right, okay. And then he ended, ended up getting chatting to us, but he- He wasn't the full shellen. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, and
2: then <laughs> anyway,
1: the anyway, so he was like, oh, what are you doing here? And like, how come you're here? And this, like, and it ended up, He ended up basically telling us he was a, um, a, not a squatter. What's it called? Like a guardian or guardian.
0: Yes, I've heard of these people that can kind of like look after buildings so you don't get squatters.
1: Exactly, yes. So he was a guardian in this building. He ended up telling us and stuff. And anyway, he ended up coming in, in our car. We gave him a lift back to the building and then we saw the building and it was gorgeous. So we were like... Oh, do you think there's any way, like next week or in a couple of weeks, we could do a, a like a lookbook shoot here, a photo shoot? And he, because it wasn't really his building, he didn't really. He just let us in, and we had a look at it. Um. So we, anyway, long story short, we ended up doing a lookbook, our first ever lookbook there in the building. We used a friend as a model, photographer. I think we found on Instagram when we paid like two hundred pounds. And then I spotted
2: Anne
1: in the gym. All spotted the other model in the gym. Love all, this the hair and makeup so we literally did the first look
2: book for I think like 200 300
1: pounds um we were and- laughing
2: we were having a laugh though on Saturday we were we were doing a photo shoot on Saturday for um we've got a bridal collection coming out and um anyway we were like oh do you remember our first look book shoot and um, we were laughing about it and um we didn't <laughs> we didn't really understand how the photo shoots work we'd never been on a photo shoot we had went and bought all this like beer and bottles of wine <laughs> and that like everybody would need a drink at the end of the day. And then like.
0: <laughs> Everyone just
2: left. They yeah. was They're like, come on, let's so celebrate. We and I was like,
0: <laughs> we're done. It's work. I literally, I love everything you've just said. It shows both of your natures so much. And actually, there's such brilliant sliding doors moments. You know, Aww. as you say, you can be sat in a coffee shop, um, you know, meet someone. I'm not saying that, you know, that the location of your shoot was, yeah. you know, why you were f- successful. Aww. But it's amazing because, as you said, there are so many people along the way that you met and you both were never kind of like... Too above anything. You know, you took a chance on someone in a shop that was shouting at his computer screen and oh, got an amazing.
2: Thought, You're crazy, that guy could be a yeah. murderer. We're like, oh yeah, there's an idea, let's go. <laughs> like the two of us were off, off the drop, yeah. happy as Larry. But it was just, oh, we were just yeah, so, it was we just so of- funny, the whole thing.
1: We didn't know what we were doing. So then that was the photo shoot. And then as soon as we had the images and then the samples in London, we then just thought, okay, we need to get this out to press. We didn't have we didn't know anyone in the press. were so a lot of people think that, oh, you've got contacts or your pal. Mm anything all and I literally you knew no one in the industry um so we just went to like local magazine um shops like the news agents and then took photos of like the grazia the vogue that all the magazines that we thought okay we could potentially be in this um and then started like contacting them all either linkedin or instagram and then it was actually hannah almasy he was one of our first journalists um yeah wow. he got back to us and she was like Oh, I love vintage. And we were like, oh, she's the perfect girl. She's gonna get this. So we went in, had a meeting. We were so nervous. And we basically just took the suit bags on the tube around London and every single day managed to get as many appointments. And we were in like every single magazine office in London, waiting in the reception and going up and just meeting everyone really. Yeah. They were really intrigued. They were like, oh, so what's the price point? And have you got like a flat shot image of the of the dress or the product? And we didn't have any flat shot images of it, so we were like, we didn't even know what a flat shot was. We were like, what's a flat shot? So we went home and
0: yeah, 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 we've got one. We'll, we'll send it to you when we get home. Um, and then I think it was I, we were literally
2: salad tape in it. To the we had a really good landlord, and he was like, honestly, the whole time of starting Rick. So he was like, oh, girls, let me you know if you need any help. Um, we need another sofa gone, whatever. He used to come in and be like, why is there salad tape on the walls? Because we used to like <laughs> use clear salad tape to like stick like grazie would be like oh we need a flat shot this we'd like stick it on the wall have it done but like, oh yeah just let me ping that over in half an hour and then like just do it straight away um, he must be so proud of you now he do you know what actually he um he does like he's a it's a kind of like a funny story that like we started that we started it off because we were there for like five five years yeah so like, like, it's really funny the story beginning for, of the whole journey yeah it was funny Amazing.
0: Um, and kind of leading on to your last moment, which is a, a very big one, but we'll try and pick a few um, specifics out of it. So your five year journey with Rixo. So I think you turned five last year, um, which is incredible. Um, are there any moments or decisions that you think, you know, you took? after the starting kind of days that really got the brand to where it is today um i know that you guys mentioned and we've spoken about it that you're financially independent have you ever kind of been offered the opportunity to to kind of go bigger and you guys are like actually no we're keeping this like, are there any moments that really you think define why you're where you are today
2: well i mentioned earlier about that person that wanted to invest in us um i think rickson would have been very different today if we had it that
1: It was basically, yeah, Ola touched upon it earlier on, but there was someone who wanted to invest pretty much, I think, only two years in, and he wanted a third of the business basically for a loan, and we were so unsure because he was like, had loads of connections in the industry, his whole career was basically within fashion brands, and it was very evident to us that, like, I think... He was trying to maybe scare us into it. So we'd have meetings and he'd be like, and then when we actually said no, it kind of took so much courage for both Ola and I to actually say no. And we were yeah. still questioning ourselves like, is it the right yeah.
2: moment? Is you can, it you, you can you can doubt has- yourself because you feel like you don't have as much experience as someone older. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is to re- is to remember is that it's definitely good to learn and listen from people, but as being young and naive, I think that actually in itself makes the brand what it is because. Mm-hmm you don't have this like pretense of like how it should be like even sometimes when people more senior than ourselves like we're obviously not essentially senior like join our business there's things that you notice that they've probably picked up from more corporate jobs or like bigger companies and you think well, that doesn't really make sense to me and I think it's like having the courage to to kind of do it your own way even if you are young like sometimes it's not necessarily a bad thing that you are young and that you haven't had such like experience with bigger companies that can work in your favor as well so I think we definitely learned that from an early from a very early kind of point to not underestimate um how we think things should be as well
0: yeah that's so well said and I'm guessing you guys just had that gut feeling that actually no we want to keep this what it is for ourselves and I I, I've said this earlier on but I think what is so unique about what you do is the authenticity that you have around everything. And you're, you're right, it doesn't happen with most brands. Like if you build a brand because you just want to make loads of money, it's very different to building mm. it because you want to create something that people want to wear and, you know, is loved by women mm. everywhere.
2: Even like everything going to like the product and the market and stuff, like there's not one thing that isn't like done with like a passion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you know, it's, it's scary to think that that passion could be lost. And, you know, there may be a day in the future that you change your minds, but I think it's brilliant that you had the courage to, to kind of keep it to yourselves when you felt like it was the right thing to do. And when was that moment where you thought like, this is real, we're actually like fashion designers, like, was there someone that wore your designs or a kind of a deal that you made with um, any wholesalers or boutiques or stores?
2: I think it was two. I think it was definitely being on Ned Porter and then probably London Fashion Week, doing our first ever show. Doing our first ever show was just like it was amazing. Disgusting. I was like, I can't even believe we're doing this.
1: It was the most stressful. The lead up to it was like so stressful. Like I think I remember me and Ola being in the space because, again, we didn't ha- we don't have investors, so we had to do everything on a shoestring, and we didn't have producers to produce it. So everyone, like the press interviews, actually would be like, Oh, so who was the producer? Who was the sound? And we were all like, Well, we've done it. Really ourselves
2: written, like know. what is a producer
1: <laughs> I didn't even know what someone produces the show I was like what I got a few quotes and they were coming in at like 50 60 grand and I was like hold on I was like no no <laughs> I, was,
0: I can do this much better
1: I remember Ola and I said so we did it in um in Covent Garden because it had to be in Covent Garden where all the press were going to be so they could hop from one show to the yeah. other place so we had to get our heads around that so we were like right okay we need to be within this radius of kind of a tube stop um and then we found this um it was kind of like an old what would you say it was Ola just like a big old like shop like where kind of had a bit of a warehouse feel to it but it was just empty it was nothing to it and I remember Ola and I literally I think we were crying our eyes out we were in the in the store on on Flora Street and we were going to turn it into a store and I think it was like a week before the show and it was just so stressful because we wanted it to be perfect and we had no idea how the day was going to run or anything um and we still had a really tiny team at the at that point
2: I remember we were dressing the models and. I was like oh we've got everything perfect so we had no dressers we it was just I just remember being like it was just me myself and Hannah dressing them all so I was like this is so stressful it's so hard to get them all out at the one time (laughs) and then now when I look back I'm like how did we not have any dressers
0: yeah how did we do all of that ourselves no
2: dressers they help oh I remember
0: the whole set we had to
1: build as well on the morning of the thing um it was just I mean I'm so glad we did it like it was a really good turning point and it was amazing and afterwards it's just you go through times like that and we, we hadn't got a clue what we were doing and like international press were coming and then they'd be like oh my god it's amazing and we were like oh we was, mate, we, why don't we
0: quit and become fashion show producers I was,
1: it, yeah so that was really stressful but it was a big turning point I think for us just to be recognized on the on the circuit so I think that's probably when it was like a big pinch me moment which was lovely yeah
0: yeah and you guys have made so many great points because actually you both decided to learn everything rather than hiring people to kind of do it for you like as you said like you've learned how a show works now which makes it so much um I don't know just so much nicer when you're going through your journey and as big as you are now because you know how things work
2: and it's well it kind of gives you the idea of kind of doing it yourself the first time it allows you to go right okay well that's where I do want to spend money and that's where we don't need to spend money Mm because I think it gives you a good insight in terms of like what the cost is actually all about where's the cost coming from how can things be a bit better because you hand something over to someone else you don't really have a clue. And then you've got no control over what it is you want to spend on. So like as as the shows went on, we'd be like, right, okay, well, we need someone to help us like build the set or we need someone to help us with that. But we were very still quite savvy. So we still didn't, we still, I think we've got better appreciating what our time was worth um, and knowing where to kind of like get people in to help with certain things. But at the same time, it's not just like some big company just hands it over and it's like, will deal with it. You know, it's very much like, we're still very much involved with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Probably one of the biggest things we learned, Ola, was even like going to Paris and doing the wholesale markets ourselves.
2: Yeah.
1: That's like a massive, like wholesale was pretty much like a massive part of Rixo. In- and yeah, I don't
0: know if you're the same, but I didn't really understand wholesale until I got into the industry. You don't get taught it even in like our degrees. Like it's yeah. a weird one. Yeah. Not
1: really, like our first market in Paris that we went to, oh. we changed the delivery dates of the collection to every single buyer. And then Jazz, who, do you know what? She was really brilliant and helped Ola and I a lot so we showed with Polly King and we basically just rented the space for um...
2: Polly, Polly King was like who are these two girls that have just turned up at the showroom <laughs> they haven't got a clue what they're doing so we were just like they were talking about like land prices and all this and we were just like sponges we were just absorbing everything mm-hmm. and it was the most exhausting week of our lives because we I think we were so nervous and we were learning everything so we were just sponging everything in so like by the end of the week we were like absolutely dead we're thinking this is this wholesale business is hard game but as the as the seasons went on we found it like obviously we picked it up and started understanding it more um but it did get exhausting because like you'd finish designing a collection and then you're like fashion week and then you're coming back and you're like fitting everything and you've just got constant deadlines whereas when the wholesale then we got someone in house to help us with it like it was one of those things where it just you understand someone can actually do certain bits better than yourself and it's I think something's having that separation as like being the owners of the brand yeah. and then like doing the hard selling as well. I think it's actually not a bad thing.
1: I think as well, at one time, we pretty much had within like the first three years. We had like 140 wholesale accounts at one point and it was just like wow. we were managing that on our own with one girl as well as designing the collection, marketing it, being in back, at, back at home, doing everything else. Then you'd be in Paris four times a year, then in London. So as soon as you got back from Paris, you'd then have everyone over in the London living room selling it then whilst you were selling that one collection you were having deliveries of stock from our supplier to the living room picking and packing in the evening then you have the e-com orders so i think us doing everything for the first literally three years i mean we did pretty much everything it is now it's so nice to have different teams in those areas that Mm -hmm. can be experts and be like right okay we've got a wholesale manager then now that can like look after um our big major um customers and look after them um So it is nice that we've been through the whole journey and I wouldn't change any of it because it makes you just appreciate every single element of the business. And we've been through it all. Like we used to do all the invoices and everything ourselves. Yeah.
0: (laughs) but you're so right it's like it's like your career ladder it's like you know when you start as an intern somewhere Mm. you're so much more humble as you climb up the ladder like you guys have done it through your business but when you start at the bottom and you know how everything works it's just you know also you appreciate it I'm sure you'd appreciate Mm. having all of your team around you now although we're not in offices at the moment but what's kind of the thing that you love like in the whole five-year journey that you've had what are you really proud of that kind of of the Drixo journey that's standing today
1: i think for me it's probably just that like all and i like above everything we're still like it, i get so emotional about like it's just still like being like such good friends through it all like people yeah. Yeah, it's like god you, you two really don't really like each other do you and i'm like all like a sister like it's just so i think that is probably one of the most amazing things that we've managed to keep that friendship from uni mm-hmm. like, and also like grow our own lives as well like together so that is probably one of the nicest things i think and it's such a personal thing as well. Like you can't ever replace that. Like it's totally it's like a personal yeah. journey.
2: I would, I would definitely obviously agree with that too as well. So I don't want to repeat the same points as because that is definitely what I think like, like my, my dad's been in business and he's had great, great time with his like business partner. And it's something that like, it's kind of like I see it kind of firsthand how wrong it can go. Um, and even myself, like I've got a twin sister. So I'm I'm like, I've always grown up being really close to something. Like, if someone's like my friend or like we've got the same friends. Like Gem, Gem is a really good friend of Henrietta's now as well. But it's just, there's no, we, you can't have that like underlying tension with people and you can't have, you have to be very like willing for things to work and direct and sort things out. And that's what, it, that's how I feel like our relationship is. Um, but I think it's been like, it's been so nice to see your team grow as well. Yeah. And um, like, that's one thing that I think that like actually Tara. Tara, my fit model, asked me that the other day and when I was fitting, and she was like, So, how, how, like, she was like, My husband was asking me, like, how many's in your team now, and like, how do you grow your team? And I was like, That's such a funny question because most people don't ever ask us that. And actually, that's one of the hardest things to get because yeah. when you do everything yourself, when do you decide that you're going to get this person dedicated yeah. in that and this person, grows and like, just using interns to like help with like helping you do bits and pieces in it. So you almost become a bit of like, a jack-of-all-trades until you can like get people dedicated and growing that out and deciding like what comes first is actually so hard and I feel like we've done quite a good job considering that we're not professional really at it at all like we're not HR experts and we've not even had a HR person in our team help us so I think that's something I think we both feel quite proud of as we have a, we actually have as much as they're talented and good at what they do they're actually lovely people. Yeah and you
0: guys are such an inspiration because I think that you know the Showing that connection with somebody is is like half of a success. you know you can have talent, you can have whatever, but actually building that connection with someone and the trust and you know the essence of the podcast is those moments and genuinely, if you guys had never met you know if all had carried on doing art and design at uni and gone off to be an architect and Henrietta had married her l a boyfriend you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't have what you had today um, i 'm going to end the podcast with just asking both of you um. What do you think? So if you hadn't have met, what, what what do you think you'd be doing now? Do you ever think about like what where your path would have taken you?
1: I don't think I'd be in London. I think I would have come back home, in all honesty, because all my family are here back at home. So I think I would have come back probably to Cheshire, um, and I would have done university. Like my dad still says to me, he said, You said after London you were gonna come back home.
0: mum <laughs> like, says that like, to me all the time.
1: Ten years later, and you're you're still there and that and you've got a house there now, and you that's your home. And I'm like but that does feel like home now for me. And it kind of, I think if Ola and I hadn't met and it wouldn't have happened, then I think I'd probably potentially, like So and like Ola were the kind of the main reasons why I was staying in London after university. Because it is one of those moments, like what do you do Do you get on the career ladder and then kind of work your way up or what do you actually want to do? So I think definitely 100% when we started So and obviously um, meeting Ola was definitely kind of, the reasons why I was in London. So I think if that didn't happen, then I'd be I'd be at home probably. I don't yeah. know what. <laughs> um, do
2: you know what I think? So my twin sister went to Australia, and I, like we were we're so close. So I missed her so much, and because I had started so Gemma was like, "Well, Orla's not going anywhere now because she started Rixo So Gemma moved back home that summer. We started so um and I think if I hadn't started Rick, so she wouldn't have moved home. Therefore, I probably would have moved to Australia. Wow. I think I would have went to Australia, wouldn't I? And I think that's what I would have done. i have been like, I'm out of here. She'd be <laughs> in the middle of her summer. <laughs> I, would have been like, I would have been in Australia. Summer holidays um,
1: now. I remember when Gemma came back, actually, and she was like running down to print it at the, at the printing shop. And I remember, yeah, Gemma came back because she knew that we were serious about setting something up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's been so lovely to chat to you both. And oh, you as so I say, much. like you your 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 authenticity, but also your relationship comes off so much. And I know everybody in the industry says how brilliant and lovely you are as people, but also your brand is just so fantastic and it's amazing to see something that um is not only your vision, but also you know, you, you keep it true to the DNA of what you've always yeah. wanted to do. And also so excited for bridal and to see all the other things that you guys do. So um, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so brilliant.
2: Thank you. I mean, you've been too kind, but that's <laughs> really, it's actually really nice for us to both hear that. Cause I do think that like, we've not really done an interview now and it's been quite a long time. So we've done one and it's actually nice Cause I think when you're not speaking to people externally and you're just kind of internally in a team all the time, you can be quite not down on yourself but you can always be like oh we could be doing this better we could be doing that so it's actually quite nice to hear your words so thank you (laughs) good thank you so much thanks for your time thank you thanks so much jenny thanks bye bye
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of sliding doors if you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring i would love it if you could rate review share and subscribe thank you so much